Good morning. It's good to be back. And uh, if you would, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. We'll begin in verse 12 in just a moment. Let me just say thank you. Uh, I've spent, uh, took three weeks off to just, uh, I don't know, get in better health and better conditions. And I know many of you uh, have said that you've been praying for me. And uh, I'm doing much, much better. And uh, I'll probably share a little bit more uh, in our upcoming business meeting. And, and I'm just thankful uh, for a few things. One, I'm, I'm thankful that uh, I had the time off. I'm thankful uh, for our church that allowed me to do that. And, uh, and I know Derek preached on unity this week. And so a couple times I drove by the building just to make sure it didn't burn to the ground and the church didn't go crazy or anything like that in the absence of a, a pastor and all that. But, but I know we're better than that. And I'm teasing a little bit. Um, I'm also thankful for our staff, um, all of them. Um, someone said today, and I know they were teasing that we had good replacements while I was gone. Uh, we don't have replacements as staff. We have a team. And one of the things that I tell our church uh, staff all the time is we is better than me. And uh, we have incredible staff. I know Derek and Brandy and, uh, you know, Annie oversees our preschool. And uh, uh, did I say Zach already? Zach and Derek. And then, man, I'm just so thankful for uh, those that step in and fill in. I, I had a church member come up to me today, one of our senior saints, and he said, you know, are you preaching today? I said, yeah. He goes, good, I can sleep. Don't have Derek preach again. I stay awake when he preaches. And so I didn't really know how to take that, but okay. And so, Derek, apparently you did a good job, and I need to work on uh, maybe take a homiletics class or something. And so, um, but I'm thankful for that. And I, I want to say this I'm thankful for our church. Uh, last several weeks, I've been uh, visiting some other places. And while I was, it was nice to be able to just go to church and not have to worry about if the building was unlocked or if it was going to be locked or, you know, all the different things that go on with that. Um, but I am thankful for our church family. In fact, last week I was feeling a lot better on Sunday, and we went to an early service somewhere. I said, oh, let's just pop in. And April's like, I'm not going to let you do that. <laughs> so, um, and so, but I missed it. I missed being here, and I'm excited for the future. And so thank you for allowing me to have that little bit of time away. Uh, we're in John today, and we're beginning a new series entitled Close Friends. And this morning I want to talk to you a little bit about friends that sacrifice. And in John chapter 15, verse 12, the Bible says this, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And then Jesus says this, he says, you, you are my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants or slaves, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my father. I've made known to you. But let's pray together. Father in heaven, I just want to again thank you for the opportunity that I have to even be in ministry. I'm thankful that I get the opportunity to open your word and do my best to explain the meaning of what you have taught us and what you've said. And Father, I pray for our church today that we might learn and grow together, that we might be a people of your word, a people of the book. And I just pray that our hearts would be open that we would listen to the Holy Spirit for what he wants to say to the church today, and that we would leave here differently, Lord, than when we came in. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of us, I would venture to say, most of us have a lot of acquaintances. In fact, many years ago when I was in college, I was at a fellowship meeting, and I was attending a, a preacher's meeting with, with my pastor back in Florida, and we were in a, a fellowship meeting there in Tampa, and I heard one of, one of my heroes of the faith, one of the pastors that I really enjoyed listening to at that season of my life, he made this statement when I was in college. He said, if you come to the end of your life and you have five friends 
If you have five friends, when you get to the end of your life, he goes, that is a successful life. And I thought as a 19, 20-year-old, man, seriously, five? Like, I got at least 15, 20 friends right now. Like, if that's success, man, like, I'm nailing this thing, right? And so at the time, I thought, man, seriously, but as I've gotten older, that statement's really resonated with me. Because friends, and I'm talking like real friends, like ride-or-die kind of friends. Now, you kind of know who your friends are when you need something. Can I get an amen on that, right, amen? Now, when I lived in Chicago, if you had to fly out of O'Hare Airport and you needed a ride to the airport and someone was willing to take you to the airport at rush hour, you knew that person was your friend. Another way that you know that you have a good friend is if they help you move. Like when you get ready to move, you're like, hey, I'm moving. Can you help me pack up the U-Haul? That's a friend because that's like next to purgatory is helping somebody move their house. Now, some people don't have many friends. And the reason is, it's not necessarily because they're not likable, but in a lot of reasons is because friends, real friends are hard to come by. In fact, many people can be in a crowded room and yet be lonely because they have no real friends, no real connections. In fact, some of you might have over a thousand, and we'll say it this way, you have a thousand friends on Facebook, but no one who really knows you and walks with you. In fact, I ran across a term recently that describes when you choose friends to be a part of your family, and they call that family. That's your family. Um, These are friends that you choose to be a part of your family. These are the people that really energize you, and these are people that actually build you up. Now, in this series, we want to discuss the characteristics of friendship. We want to discover the power of friends, what it means to have real friends, real people in your life that energize you, encourage you, and build you up namely to know and love and walk with Jesus more closely. Those who encourage you to live the life that Jesus has called you and me to live. And, and, I, and while, while I was gone, I was able to read a book called Friend, Friendish by Kelly Needham. And one of the things that she said in the opening pages of that book is this, is that friends, and you might jot this down today, friends are an incredible gift from God. Friends are an incredible gift from God. For those of us, especially, that have them in our lives. Now, this morning, we want to begin the series by studying Jesus' invitation for you and me to become his friend. We can celebrate the powerful truth that Jesus, God's living son, made it possible not only uh, for us to be his friend, but for you and me to be friends with God himself. And I don't know what you brought in terms of a burden this morning, but that's some solid hope for each and every one of us in this room this morning, because no matter how lonely we are, there is one who wants to be our friend, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, as Christians, we have a living hope, and that hope is found in Christ. It's a hope that reconciles us to God and rescues us from the loneliness that potentially could darken our lives. In fact, a hope that we should live out daily for others. In Proverbs 18.24 says this, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Now, now, the Bible has a lot to say about friendships and relationships. We find in the scriptures how to navigate them and how to build out friendships and how to build out relationships in a biblical way. In fact, the life of Christ gives us direction and the characteristics of friendship, but it also gives us hope because even when our human and earthly friendships often fail us, 
Jesus stands next to those of us who are his friends. When we're lonely, when we're discouraged, when we're without hope, there's one that sticks closer than a brother, and his name is Jesus. So today we're going to study some statements that Jesus made describing the invitation that he gave you and me to be his friends, uh, to be friends with God, with himself, and with those around us, because he actually leaves us somewhat of a blueprint or an example of what it might be like to be friends to those around us. Because the most important relationship that any one of us could have is not with our kids, it's not with our spouses, it's not even with other family members or anyone else for that matter. The most important friendship, the most important relationship that any one of us could have today is a relationship with Jesus Christ himself. And so the, the big idea today is this. God invites us into a friendship with him through faith in Jesus. That's the big idea today. This friendship ultimately defines every other relationship that we have in our lives. And it should also help us to understand what our friendships should be characterized by. Listen, man, what are the friendships and the relationships that you have in your life, what are they built on? Because if the relationships that you have, regardless if they're with your kids, your wife, your husband, uh, with those around you, those you work with, if there isn't a solid foundation undergirding that relationship, when things get hard, when there is misunderstandings, when there's idiosyncrasies in the relationship, when there's uh, opportunities to confront sin, if there isn't a solid foundation to that relationship, it will ultimately crumble. And so we learn in this text, first and foremost today, that a friend loves unconditionally. And we see this in verse number 12 because Jesus says, this is my commandment that you love one another. And listen to what Jesus says, as I have loved you. And so Jesus starts off by explaining that he's commanded us, every single one of us, to love one another. And this reminds us that love's not a feeling. And I think that's, that's kind of the, the cultural definition of love is that it's this feeling. It's something that just happens to us. That's why you hear a lot of uh, couples say from time to time, well, I just fell out of love with you. And the reality is that love is an action of the will. And the proof of our love is not in our feelings. The proof of our love is not in our feelings. It's actually in our actions, how we live our life. And so... The proof of our love is not in our feelings, but it's in our actions, even to the extent of laying down our lives for Christ and for one another. No one, no one demonstrates this better than Jesus himself. Jesus constantly was showing his love for others. And in fact, we talked about this in Sunday school today, Jesus loved the misfits and he loved the outcasts. And aren't you thankful today that he did that? Amen? Because we're all misfits. And every one of us, to some degree or another, we're all a bunch of outcasts and we, we seem to struggle in life and in faith. The other night I was having a conversation with one of my daughters and she was, we were getting this deep theological conversation and, and there's some things that she's questioning about God. There's things that she's questioning about the Bible. And at the end of the conversation, she says, Dad, I'm sorry that I even brought this up. I know this probably bothers you. And, um, you know, um, I, you know I'm, I'm sorry that I even brought it up. And I said, sweetie, first of all, your dad's a pastor. And I said, some of these questions that you're asking are things that I've thought of and wondered about myself. And I said, it's okay to ask these questions because God is bigger than your doubts. And we need people in our life that are going to point us to Jesus Christ. But we find here in this text that Jesus' love was demonstrated when he came and he reached out to us, even when we were far from God, every single one of us. That's a true friend. 
He reached out to us when we were far from God. We didn't deserve it, and we didn't earn it, but he loved us. In fact, in John 13, 34, the Bible says, by this, uh, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, the church and Christians in general are known for a lot of things. Love typically isn't at the top of that list. If we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, if we're going to be the kind of friends that God wants us to be to each other, to those around us, and to the world around us, our lives must be characterized by love. Kelly Needham in her book, Friendish, says it this way, When Jesus is our stability, our consistent friend, and he is our refuge, listen to this, we are truly freed to truly love others and to love them sacrificially. Now listen, love is built when we turn our eyes off ourselves and we're compelled outward. That's what love is. It's not about me, it's about those around me. When our attention and our thoughts are, are toward others and making them feel welcomed and loved, often we, we look for people to make us feel good rather than looking for opportunities to love those around us. So when we look at this text, the first thing that we see is this, a friend loves unconditionally. The second thing that we see is in verse 13 is that a friend gives sacrificially. In verse 13, he says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus states that friendship, and please just write this down, friendship at its core is about others. That's what friendship's about. Friendship at its core is about others. It's putting others first. Jesus knew that even when we say that we love others, we have the tendency to use them for our own happiness. Jesus laid down his life for us to experience peace and to have real joy. So Jesus himself, listen to this, Jesus sacrificed his life so that we could have life and have a relationship with him and with God. Jesus goes a step further to describe his friendship with us in moving beyond love to a love that's actually characterized by sacrifice. Unconditional love rolls hand in hand with sacrifice, and Jesus says that love will be characterized by both love and sacrifice. See, Jesus left everything he ever knew. He left it all so that he could lay down his life for you and me to know God. The Bible teaches us that we were enemies of God, and Jesus loved those who didn't deserve it. He loved outsiders, and guess what? That's me, and that's you. We were outside. We weren't a part of the kingdom of God. We, didn't, we weren't right with God. In fact, the Bible says that we were once enemies with God, and we were reconciled to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. We tend to write people off, and this is the crazy thing about relationships. We tend to write people off for minor infractions, things they do, idiosyncrasies, personality quirks. We write people off for minor infractions, and we sinned against a holy God, and he was willing to bankrupt heaven so that we could know him. That, my friends, is real friendship. Now, our lives were in direct opposition to God, and everything that is holy about him, and our sin and our disobedience ultimately distance us from a real intimate relationship to God. And so Jesus stepped into our world, and he sacrificed, and he loved, and that changed everything. In fact, Romans 5.8 says it this way, but God shows. The King James says it manifested, and some other versions say he demonstrated. God demonstrated his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ 
died for us. You could say it this way, Christ sacrificially laid down his life and shed his blood so that we could be made right with God. That's what friends do. Let me just say this. A lot of folks, and we talked about this in Sunday school as well today, a lot of folks do not want to consider themselves sinners. Nobody in this room wants to be like, yeah, I'm a sinner, you know? Even when we know we're sinners, we don't like to admit that we actually sin. But every single one of us in this room are sinners. Others feel an incredible amount of guilt and shame when they hear the truth that their behavior separated them from God. But we are a broken people. Every one of us, we are broken at the heart level. And the only hope we have in this world is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the hope that we have. This isn't bad news. It's good news. It means that we have the opportunity to be right with God because Jesus was willing to sacrifice his life for us so that we could be forgiven of our sins and we could be reconciled and our relationship with God could be changed thoroughly and made right because of what Jesus did. That's real hope. That's good news. And so we have nothing good to offer God. The only thing that we bring to our relationship with God, you know the only thing that we bring to God is our sin. That's the only thing we bring. None of us can merit or earn our relationship with God. He just loves us right where we are. And we leave that relationship with everything we need to live with purpose. So, so maybe jot this down today. When it comes to friendships, this is the part I want to write down. We too are to live sacrificially, giving ourselves for our friends. This is what Jesus is explaining to us. This is what he's, the, the implication to this text is. We too are to live sacrificially, giving ourselves for our friends. A few weeks ago, I believe Zach taught on the great commandment. And the great commandment teaches us that we too, teaches us that we're to love God and we're to love others. But you know, we have this bad habit. All of us do. We have this bad habit of reversing and inverting those commands. Because we make it about getting love, not giving love. In fact, we want to know this. We want to know that God loves us, and God accepts us, and we want to know that other people love us. But the great commandment actually teaches the opposite. It inverts that, and it says, look, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what being a friend means. We love God and we love others, and we love them unconditionally, and we love them without expecting anything in return. And so, we must step into the spaces of those who aren't loved, those who are misfits, those who are different, those whose lives are broken, and sacrificially love them the way that Jesus loved you and me. That's our calling. That's what it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. One writer said it this way. He said, you know, Jesus met the needs of people simply because he loved them. He loved them with no strings attached. We're not always good at that. When we tie a religious experience or expression to our love, we turn faith into a business deal. And I wonder when it comes to the relationships that we have in our life, do we love others, our friends, those in our relational circle? Do we honestly love them with no strings attached? And I'm going to tell you, it's tough. It's tough to do in marriage. It's tough to do with your kids because, like, I love my kids, and I love them unconditionally. But when I do something nice for them, and I mean something, like, really nice, like, I expect a thank you. Can I get an amen, parents? Amen? I expect there to be some joy and excitement that, like, hey, Dad did this for me. 
And quite frankly, I don't even care what it is. If I take him to McDonald's for a small fry, I want to be like, man, you're the best dad ever, you know? I want to feel the love back. Are you guys with me today? Say amen. I mean, there's a sense where we, we want that love to be reciprocated. Hear me on this. I understand that. But I really do believe when we can love others around us and give sacrificially to the relationship, the benefits of seeing that reciprocated are going to far outweigh because we're obeying God simply to obey God and show our love for Him and our love for others rather than seeing what we can get out of that equation. A sacrificial love is a love that expects to get nothing in return. It means that I genuinely love my friends where they are and I give myself to serve them. And I wonder how different the relational dynamics would be in the relationships that we have with those around us if we began to approach our relationships by loving people with, 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 without expecting anything in return. That's true friendship. So when we, like Jesus, sacrifice for the good of others, we find the greatest joy. Now, this part of the passage is super fascinating to me. In verses 14 and 15, we see that a friend invites us into the inner circle. In verse 14 and 15, Jesus says, Je I don't know if you guys like kind of geek out on this stuff, but Jesus says in this text, look what he says in verse 14. You are my friends. You are, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And listen to what he says in verse 15. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. Now, in this text, the language and the invitation here, it's, it's absolutely profound. Because Jesus says, you're no longer a slave. You're no longer a servant. And I, I, I'm not only your master. I'm not only your master, but listen to what he says here. I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. Now, the imagery here that we find in this text is the imagery is, is of like a friend at court. It describes the inner circle of a king or an emperor. It might be uh, the image of a, of a best man at the wedding. We're invited to be in the know. And friends, this is powerful. Yes, Jesus is Lord. God is our Father. But we are now invited into a life-changing relationship that significantly, listen to this, steadies our life. It sustains us. You know, part of the reason that I had been struggling with my health and uh, anxiety and some other things that I had going on, you know, part of the reason is that is because I began just doing things in my own strength and not relying on God. In fact, over the last three weeks, I had several bouts and several moments where I felt uneasy and I felt like, oh man, things are getting out of control. And I was reminded because I had the space and time to think through some of these things. Moment by moment, I was able to just say, God, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. I don't know why these things are happening in my life. Physically, I don't know what's going on, but I know you do, and I can trust you. And I know in this moment that the word of God says, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. I know that I don't have to be anxious for anything, but by prayer and supplication, I can let my request be made known unto God. I know that Psalm says, at times when I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. And God, help my unbelief because I want to trust in you. And even though I want to be in control, I don't have control. And so God, show me 
and demonstrate to me how real you are in my life and give me peace that passes all understanding. What I'm saying to you is this, is that we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We have a friend that's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He rules and he reigns and his power is limitless. And he, the Son of God, invites you and me into a relationship that actually and absolutely steadies our life, gives us peace in the storm, gives us strength for tomorrow, strengthens and undergirds our faith in moments when we feel like everything around us is crumbling. So Jesus invites us into the circle. He invites us to know salvation. He invites us to know him. He invites us to experience a real, powerful, transforming relationship with God. And now you and me, we do the same for others. We're to invite them into a life and a relationship with Jesus, and we do it together. And our relationships, all of them, should be centered on this truth. It should be centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all of our friends should point us to Jesus. They should help us to know him and love him and trust him and follow him. And so often we, we sprinkle some of the world's philosophy and ideologies into our relationships, but good friends will point your heart back to the word of God and the truth that never changes and the assurance of Jesus Christ. And yesterday, my wife and I, we went on a hike up at Two Rivers Bike Park and walking down by the creek or maybe river, I think it was a river yesterday because the snow's melting, we're walking by and there's this massive like rock kind of, I don't know if it was a mountain, but here in Missouri we have those rocks that are exposed when you're on those hikes and it feels kind of like Colorado. Don't make fun of me after church today, okay? But, but it, it just, it was beautiful. And April looked at me and she goes, you know, I wonder if that's what the writers in the Psalms were talking about when they say that, you know, God is our rock and our refuge. And when the hymn writer said, you know, rock of ages, cleft for me. I said, yeah, man, like certainly, because the rock, that not, that's not going to move. That's going to be here until the Lord dissolves it all, until there's a new heaven and new earth. That's what our relationship to God is. It's a rock that steadies us. It's a refuge in a time of need. And that's what it means to be a friend and to have those kind of friends in our life. So the point is, is that Jesus didn't use people as a means to an end, and, and neither are we. We're to love them, invite them into our lives out of love. Now, I love what Bob Goff says in his book, Love Does. He says, you know, my faith isn't a complicated one. I just know I met Jesus, and he changed my life. And he made me kinder and less selfish, and he invited me to, to do life with him. And the longer I followed him, the more I've realized we don't need all the answers to the questions instead Loving people the way that Jesus did is great theology. Now, friendship's worth it. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. And I know there's challenges in friendship. And I know we all have insecurities and we all have these different things. And, and we get frustrated with our friends like, hey, man, I'm investing in this relationship and you're not investing anything. Hey, man, I'm texting you and you're not texting me back. Or, hey, I called you and it took you four hours to call me. Come on, Right? And some of us struggle with that. And I know the young people do because we live in that, that instantaneous, I need a response and you need to be available for me right now. Can I get an amen on that? Are you guys with me? Say amen. That happens to us. Well, they don't like me. They didn't respond to my email. Well, how about this? Maybe your email got sent to my junk file because you had some virus and I didn't even know you emailed me. How about that? Right? 
And, and we can go on and on about all those things, but here's the thing. Friendship, it's worth the messiness and the hard times that it is to have friends. It's worth it. In fact, this is why it's so important for you and me to model our friendships after the life of Jesus. How incredible would it be if we really loved others the way that Jesus did? Man, I just really believe this is having an impact on all of us. I know it's going to have an impact for me. April and I talked about this yesterday. And I said, look, in my friendships, in my relationships going forward, I'm going to intentionally and cognitively say to myself, I don't care what I get out of this relationship. I'm going to love the people that God puts in front of me. If they like me, if they appreciate me, uh, if they, um, you know, whatever, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to love them, no matter what. No matter if they call me back, text me back, email me back, no matter whether they get me a Christmas card or a Christmas gift or not, I'm just going to love the people that God has put in my life, no strings attached. And this morning, you and me, all of us, we're invited into this friendship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And this morning, some of you, you might be lonely. You might have despair. There might be brokenness. And all of that can be transformed the moment that you decide to follow Jesus and accept him as your Savior. And I would imagine that there's some here today that you don't know Christ. There's never been a time in your life where you've asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, to be your friend. There's never been a time where you recognized your own sinfulness and your own brokenness. And, and you do feel lonely and you do feel this sense of despair. You do feel like you're an outsider and you don't know why. And I just want to tell you, there's a longing in every soul. In fact, Ecclesiastes said that God has written eternity on our hearts. Our hearts long for more than friends. It longs for more than success. It longs for more than stuff. Our heart, our life, our soul was built for eternity. And the only thing that fills that up is Jesus himself. Today, many people are lonely. Many are in despair. Many have great need. And as followers of Jesus, I believe friendship is more necessary than ever. And maybe this morning you could commit to following Jesus and becoming closer to him as his friend. Maybe if you don't have friends this morning that love you and sacrifice, you know what you need to do? A lot of people complain about that. Well, you know, I don't have any friends. Well, maybe because you're mean, right? I don't know. Sometimes I tell my kids that, you know. Uh, my brother used to tell me this when I was a kid because I've always been gruff. You guys think it's because I'm from the north, but I grew up in central Florida with a bunch of rednecks that think the Civil War is still going on. That's where I grew up, right? My brother would always say, you need to re read, and old-timers will get this, Jason, you need to read uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, you know. And I'm just like, whatever, man, you know. That's not the problem. The reality is, is if you want to be a friend or if you want to have a friend, be a friend. A man that has friends must show himself to be what? Friendly. And so some of us today, man, like we want friends because of what it does for us and what we get out of it. And I'm just saying to the church this morning, man, just be a friend. Because you know what? Often I can be selfish in my friendships. Oh, man, they didn't text me back. Why don't they invest as much as I do? Well, listen, let's flip the script and love unconditionally. Let's love sacrificially. Let's invite others into our inner circle because this text shows how we can approach friendship and relationships in a very life-giving way. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, how many of you would say to me this morning, Pastor, I certainly know that I'm a follower of Christ. I know that I'm a friend of God. I know that I'm right with God. I know that I've been forgiven of my sins, and I know that heaven is my home. Would you lift your hand and just let me see testimony of that today? Do you know that with a certainty? Now, now maybe there's someone here today, and I imagine there probably is, and maybe you're a friend. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to come to your seat or anything like that but I would love to pray for you this morning. 
How many of you say to me this morning, Pastor, I'm not certain that I'm right with God. I don't know that I've been forgiven of my sins, and I don't know that heaven is my home. Would you pray for me? Would you just lift your hand and let me see that this morning? Is there anyone that's like that that's in here this morning? Anyone at all? Amen. Yes, sir, I see your hand. Thank you so much for your honesty. Is there anyone in here today that say, man, there are times where I feel lonely, and, and I, I'm, not, I'm not always aware that the answer to my loneliness is Jesus. And one of the things that I want to do going forward is to make sure that my relationship with Jesus is where it needs to be. I want to follow him, and I want to be the kind of friend. That's what the Old Testament says, that Moses was a friend of God. I want to be a friend with Jesus. If, if I have no one else in my life, I have him, and I want to work on that relationship. How many of you would say that would be true in your life this morning? Yeah, amen, 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 amen. Amen. Thank you, all of you, for your honesty today. But how many of you say, you know what? In my relationships, my friendships with others, I often approach those. And guys, let's be honest today this morning. I, I'm trying to do my best to do that for you. How many of you say, oftentimes I get selfish in my friendships, and that needs to change? Would you lift your hand and just let me pray? I need to be more of a giver. Amen. Thank you, church, for your honesty today. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you please just stand to your feet this morning? Father, I don't know where I'd be today if it weren't for you. So many seasons in my life, seasons of brokenness, seasons of sinfulness, moments of repentance. And Lord, you've always been a friend. You've always been just within my voice. When I've called out to you, you're there. You are a friend like no other. And I pray this morning, gentleman that raised his hand in the back, God, I pray today that he would not leave this facility, not leave this building without talking to someone about what it means to follow Christ, what it means to be right with God, what it means to be forgiven of their sins, what it means to know, to know that heaven is your home. For those of us that are in the room today, and myself included, and God, you know I've spoken to you about this already, but I often want to know that I'm loved by you and I'm loved by others great commandment teaches us that we are going to be known by our love. And Lord, I want to love you with a reckless passion. And I want to love those that you've put in my life unconditionally. And I want to love them sacrificially because sometimes I do make it about me. And I pray for every person in this room today that we'd begin to, to, to flip the script and begin to look at the relationships that we have in our life and that we would just be givers, that we'd live open-handedly and we would be to others as you have been to us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The church, as we get ready for this invitation, I don't want to be this morning here in this room and say, hey man, I'm not certain that I'm a follower of Christ. I'm going to stand right here. And if you want to come and just know a little bit more about that, I'd love to pray with you this morning, personally and individually, before you leave today. And then for the rest of us today, you know, when I open the Bible, I never want to come to the Bible, even in my own personal time alone with God in the morning, where God doesn't speak to me. And when he speaks to me, I want to listen. And when I listen, I want to respond. And some of you this morning, you listen to the word of God, not me. You listen to God. You're listening to the Holy Spirit. God's speaking to us in this moment. And God is challenging you on some areas of your life. And it's on you this morning to respond to the word of God. So if God's saying to you this morning, hey, man, you tend to be a little selfish in your relationships. Hey, you're not that great of a friend. Hey, that's okay. 
come and do business with God this morning and say, God, forgive me of making friendship about me. God, help me to be a better friend. Help me to point my friends to Jesus. Help me to speak faith into their life. Help me to love them generously and open-handedly. But let's worship God today in prayer as we respond to the preaching of the Word of God. So, as Derek sings this first note, I want to invite you to come. Let's get on our knees. Let's get some things right with God today.